This is Strange Assembly episode 178, Gen Con 2015. Okay, guys, so is this the least timely Gen Con episode ever or the most untimely? Which one do you think is better turn of phrase? I don't know. I mean, a lot of stuff still hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, and I mean, it's better than our Gen Con 2013 that just came out last week. <laughs> yes. I'm Chris Stevenson, and those gentlemen were Mike Cook. Hey. And Jay Earl. Squeak. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com. We're Strange Assembly at your usual social media places, and you can... Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As the title may have tipped you off, we are going to be talking about Gen Con 2015 today. Now, some of you may recall that I did not get to go to Gen Con, and since I'm not going to provide you with a travelogue of the Pacific Northwest uh, and both the U.S. and Canada, which is what I was doing while all the cool kids got to go to Gen Con... Also me. I'd say this would be the this might end up being the most Chris Light episode ever, but that's just not really gonna happen, so So okay, Gen Con. What did you guys do at Gen Con? What did you play? What did you try to avoid getting drool on? That sort of thing. I think managed to avoid getting drool in the fantasy flight booth, but it was a close thing. <laughs> so I, I think both of us played some Doomtown grinders and failed miserably in them well my only goal was to have fun so i don't think i failed at all i had a ton of fun so that's all Fair good enough. okay mike is a better sport than i am apparently uh most for most part yeah. yeah isn't there a i can't remember exactly there's a Gnitzia quote that's something about how whether or not you actually win is important but it's important that you're trying to win that kind of the whole point, but I don't know. Maybe that's just an, a way of ultimately having fun in the game. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, I didn't have all that much prep time, and I just more wanted to play with the community rather than, you know, I wasn't playing like a bad, silly deck or whatever. I think it's a pretty competent deck, it just wasn't super meta And I mean, yeah, my, my experience was I just was not ready for the super passive deck and how passive it could be and yeah, that's exactly what I meant with super meted. Yeah, to be honest, and I'd say this as a Creighton player, uh, that can be really frustrating to play against. But, you know, it's the meta. You have to adjust. So what what is the super passive deck for our listeners out there who may not be high-level Doomtown reloaded aficionados? It's not even all that high-level. You basically just play Pucksters that sit in your base and basically control town square from your base until you can get enough deeds out and you just control town. You just control the movement, you control all of the uh, it's, uh, it's things like paralysis deeds. mark to just completely lock the board down such that nothing is happening. And so then the, I mean that's I guess fair enough but the only really effective counter that I've seen is just super aggro decks. Mm -hmm. So then it builds this environment that's you're either playing super aggro or you're just playing super passive. And there's probably in-between in decks, but you have to be a really good pilot to be able to get that to work. Yeah, isn't there supposed to be a, a scissors to go with the rock and the paper? 
you know, aggro beats control, control beats mid-range, mid-range beats aggro, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, both are supposed to have, you know, chances. It's, it's more like peaks and valleys, I guess, but I think that's what Kung Fu is essentially trying to be, since it has built-in protection um, from a lot of that hex stuff, but, you know, we'll see how it pans out. Right. I do hope that Kung Fu comes in and shakes up the tournament scene, but realistically, that's going to need the first saddlebag post-Kung Fu to really develop that fairly well. Right now, it's you know, it's really just got the one box, so it's a very much just made deck for you. Yeah, aren't there, uh, have both of the new factions hit already? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're both the in the same box. box. Okay, okay. Because you were just talking about one thing, so I wasn't sure if I had... Well, yeah, because the, um, the other people, they sit in town, but they want to actually be able to, like, bow, so... Well, the, the whole thing is that Kung Fu adds to your value, so that stops some of what the Hex has tried to do. Mm. Because it always adds to your value at all times. Now, if you guys both scrubbed out, and by the way, Jay, mm-hmm. that's so sad. Like this was, you, you actually were good at that last year. But if you both scrubbed out, that couldn't have taken that long. So that, that leaves at least three and a half days left unaccounted for. Well, the first day was the, uh, of course, hey, let's see if we can get the cool newness. Right, uh, bum, bum rush the dealer hall. Yeah, which I did, but it really took Jay being in early to get everything I wanted, thankfully. He was <laughs> very accommodating with that. Because the main things I was looking for were the new Game of Thrones and the new um, Versus that was being released. So I knew I could get one, but I wasn't sure I could get both. It turns out that they had more copies, like, the second day, so I probably would have been able to get get it pretty easily. But still, I was able to get both and uh, get an extra copy for uh, a friend. And then I went to a win-a-pack, uh, so win the win-a-box, and I won my win-a-box and gave it to the uh, J for getting that for me. Yep. So we all have verses now. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, uh... Yeah, there's already L5R and Star Wars and, I I guess, Doomtown, which is really already too many. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when, I, get, when I have Versus, it's like, I'm going to make a couple of decks that are okay to play against each other, and then, like, I'll show up to events, but I'm not going to be, like, trying to be super great at it or anything. I'm not going to be, like, super in the meta or anything. I think the tiebreaker has to be that the identifier of 2PCG is terrible, and, uh... Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I read that. I would just facepalm so hard when I read that. I was like, why Why would you do this? Not not only it, it's unelegant, it's not accurate, because they're not only two-player games. And it's completely undescriptive of... I mean, no signifier at all for what's distinctive about it, which is the sort of ongoing customizable nature of it. Oh, well. Right. But so, did you guys get to play your shiny new LCGs or not LCG, but LCG-like things? Is new versus any good? I like it. I think there's some definite power, maybe issues, I guess? I don't know. Thanos just seems kind of broken to me. Like I said, I haven't completely followed up with the tournament scene or anything, even afterwards, because it's only recently even come on the market in the last week or so, and this is about a month after Gen Con's coming out. It's still inconsistently out there. 
but I find it really enjoyable. I think the system overall is pretty good. Uh, JD, have you even gotten to play it yet? Didn't we play one? I feel like we played one. We probably played one. Yeah, I think that's about it. I've made decks. They're probably not very good because I've not played it enough. Yeah. Oh, I played a bunch of thr- a good bit of Thrones, and I really like that. I like the new Thrones, although it's it kind of desperately needs some packs. Yeah, no, I, I'm really enjoying Thrones, but as Mike said, it it really uh, I'm ready for that first expansion, even though the game hasn't actually released yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, when you look at most of the scenes, most everybody's doing the Kingslayer tournament style, which is that you grab two factions and then you can have like f- up to have 14 neutrals, I think it is, and then that's your deck, and uh, you make your normal deck, and it has to all come out of be able to come out of one box. First, because of availability, and it lets you have more decks. And honestly, it's just kind of hard to make decks right now, because you you have to banner. And bannering is that that's how you can take a second faction that's not the primary faction, and you have to the cost for it is you have to take a certain number of cards for that faction, and there's loyalty involved as well. So you can't take any non you can't take any loyal cards if they're your banner, and it's just. Even with three sets, it's kind of hard to get something that's very optimized or feels really good. So most play- people are playing that Kingslayer because it-, it helps you learn what you know where, what the relative strengths of the cards are in the new environment, and uh, it's just the easiest to do, frankly. Especially while we're waiting for everybody to be able to get their own copy. All right. So other than such customizable games, what what else? I know. That can't have been the only thing that you guys were beelining for at the Fantasy Flight. Oh, I got the Force and Destiny, which released. I was pretty happy to get that. I've been looking forward to that, even though I've got the you know the beta copy from last year. But still, it's really nice to have the real book in your hands. Yeah, they um, make such nice books. <laughs> honestly, there wasn't a whole lot that came out from them that I wanted this year, because I haven't been playing that much Imperial Assault or Armada, and that's a lot of, or X-Wing, that's a well, lot of what came out this year. Well, they had ex- new X-Wing stuff. I know, I'm saying, I- I'm not playing Armada, X-Wing. Right, the Armada has not released yet, and the Imperial Assault was at a different booth, which I found hilarious. Yeah, because of their uh, release agreement or whatever. Right. Yeah, but but it's still Fantasy Flight. If you want to get excited for other Fantasy Flight Star Wars stuff, I believe that the Force Awakens versions of the X-Wing core sets will release on Friday. Yes. In fact, I think possibly pick it up at Target, as well as, I don't know if your local game store does or not, but I think your local Target probably does. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be part of that uh, I don't know. Just they are not. Fantasy Flight's not really known for stealthy releases, other than just releasing stuff out of nowhere that they haven't told anybody about. Uh, yeah, I guess some copies of them leaked have gotten. Well, yeah, one there were leaked pictures of it, but then also there have been things where people posted where some foolish, foolish Target employee sold it to them. Oh, yeah. Fantasy Flight may not do stealth releases, and usually you don't want to do a stealth release, right? You want to promote your thing. But LucasArts and this Star Wars thing, it turns out they have a lot of heft. It's like how Magic doesn't really have to worry about about stores selling Magic cards early. Because if they cut the store off from the Magic cards, then the store will die. Basically. So, you know, 
uh, speaking of Fantasy Flight, because, I mean, they actually, they had a bunch of stuff come out. They had the Conquest box with the Tyranids come out. They had the new big box and the new uh, regular pack expansion for Netrunner. I just haven't been playing those games that much. So I was like, well, you know, getting these is not really a priority for me. But the main thing I liked was I, I went to the to in, the in-flight report this year. Oh, I'm jealous. They were sold out by the time I got there. Yeah, I, that was like one of the first things I made sure to get a ticket for. And so, like, a lot of the stuff that's coming out next year is going to be stuff that I'm excited for. So, the redo of Battle Lore, all the new ships and stuff, and they couldn't really talk about The Force Awakens. Yeah, didn't they just do something like, oh, by the way, here's the big Force Awakens logo, draw your own conclusions? (laughs) Well, I can't remember exactly, like, I know someone asked about it, and he said... I, like he's like I I'm under such pain of death if I talk about this at all like you know there, there's just no way he's like but if the toys are coming out on a Friday that seems like a good time you know this Friday it's coming up here this seems like a good time that you know that maybe that type of stuff would get released <laughs> you might guess I'm just saying, might, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah but but that's basically all that he would go into but that I'm so pumped for the new movie that's coming out, the new Star Wars movie that's coming out this uh, this December. That's that's what excited me. And I've actually wanted... I've been thinking recently, even walking into that presentation, I was thinking, man, they, they've been doing a lot with the Battle Lore world. I really kind of wish they would just redo Battle Lore. And hey, guess what? Okay, now I'm having a hard time keeping track of stuff. Didn't they just do some... New Battle Lore thing? That was uh, their redo of... Oh, sorry, it's not Battle Lore. What am I I trying to say? I apologize. It's not Battle Lore, it is Runebound. Okay. The redo of Runebound. The Runebound world uh, is what they use for Descent and what they rebranded Battle Lore with. Okay, okay, yeah. And and a couple other games. Terranoth, right? Terranoth, hmm? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, and at least that's something different, because Fantasy Flight has done so well, including with people like us, with all the expandable stuff. When you think about Fantasy Flight, sometimes you got to think for a minute to try to come up with something that's not an LCG or a miniature game. Yeah. Well, and, and I do find it interesting that... Um well, not, somebody actually asked them, too, about LCGs and uh, where they thought their sustainability line was, essentially. Like, are they just going to keep putting out LCGs? And they did not talk about an LCG. And normally, if they're going to have something f- uh, ready for next year, they're going to announce it at this thing, if they can. And because they, di- they didn't announce anything new. And he said that he's like, I- and, you know, we know, we're aware, everything's selling pretty well, we're happy with where they are. But we're pretty, you know, essentially they think they're pretty close to what, how many games they could probably uh, manage and not overload people. And there wasn't really a new one this year. I mean, there's right. a, a new one, but it was a replacement for an old one, right? It's second edition. Right. But, I mean, it, it's a significant enough change. It is, you know, well, I mean, it's not just new. It's like it's a new one and all of your old ones are, you know, you can't use them, essentially. It is a replacement. They didn't increase the number of LCGs they're supporting. They, they kept it the same. They just gave a nice new launching on point because Game of Thrones, the 
IP now is far more popular than it was when that game first launched. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, funny story, I came to the books from the board game, from the Fantasy Flight board games, back when, uh, like, the first edition came out. I have played with a bunch of people, and they're like, oh, this board game's really good. And I was like, oh, this board game's pretty fun. And then one of my friends had actually read the books and said that he really enjoyed them. <laughs> He'd only read, like, the first book. And so then I went down that rabbit hole. Without regret. Okay, so that that's what you were trying not to drill on in Fantasy Flight Land. What was the highlight for the con for you, Jay, for that that part of it, you know, the rushing in and grabbing new stuff? Or trying and failing to grab new stuff, as the case may be? No, I think I managed to get all the new stuff I wanted. I mean, basically my game plan, I went to Fantasy Flight for the new Game of Thrones. I went to AEG to get the new Doomtown packs and the new Valley of the Kings. I went over to whichever booth Fantasy Flight had offshored their Imperial Assault to to get the new Imperial Assault Wave and my Boba Fett, who hopefully I'll find some time to paint sometime soon, and the verses, And then that was everything I had earmarked, and so at that point I started wandering around looking for cool things and picked up several games after that. Oh, yeah, I forgot to admit, yeah, that was another thing. I knew there was one other thing that I wanted that Jay got for me, and that was it, was the uh, the Doomtown, the new Doomtown yeah. stuff. Yes, well, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, hear that you got the new Valley of the Kings. I have to make sure to, you know, play that. I also got it. I just didn't get Jay to get it for me because he was already getting me enough. <laughs> right, and, I mean, that was not going to sell out the first 10 minutes or whatever. No, oddly, the... Versus did. Uh, on uh, on Saturday, when I was there with friends, they picked up a copy of the new one, and they had sold out of the old one, which huh. I hadn't seen copies of the old one in a while, because they just don't reprint things a whole lot. I guess their production runs make it like hard to really justify, but it can be kind of frustrating if you actually like one of their games that's, you know, if you don't pick it up right when it comes out, and it's not like a super huge hit. Even though Valley of the Kings seemed to be pretty well received. Yeah, like we discussed last year, it, it kind of flew in under the radar. I got the review copy, and I'm like, oh, I had completely forgotten that this game was coming out. And it was great. Probably helped them much more than the fact that I liked it a lot, was that Eric Summer over in the Dice Tower was agog over it when uh, he got it at Origins last year. But yeah, it right. it's, it's always hard for the company to gauge that sort of thing that there may be a small group of people who's like oh yeah i really want to get this reprinted but then if they blow a wad of cash on a you know multi-thousand copy print run and then it just sits there after selling 200 copies that's really bad well and you've you've got guaranteed sellers like smash up and love letter which is obvious i mean that's why you see them everywhere it's because they will sell and they will move off the shelves yeah Smash Up still seems to be rolling along. They keep putting stuff out, just like Munchkin. I don't know how that game still sells, but, you know, it does. Uh, I guess people just love Munchkin. There is a group of people that's pretty big that just loves Munchkin. They may not be people who are, you know, hanging out with me on BoardGameGeek, but they, they, (laughs) they still spend money on games. So what other gems, then, did you, you find, Jay? Uh, so, I, I actually, after the fact, I realized, I think you had talked about it, I got the Tesla vs. Edison game, though I've not had a chance to bring it to the table just yet. 
Let's see, what else did I get at Gen Con? It's like two or three other small games, but they're not immediately coming to mind. How about you, Mike? Did you find anything else floating around the the hall that you hadn't been expecting? Uh, well, one of the ones that had been anticipated, and I cannot remember its name to save my life, it's Cross Something. I want to say it's Crossroads, but I don't think that's right. Well, because Crossroads, that's the Dead of Winter subtitle. Dead of Winter no, Crossroads. Yeah, so, game, it, so. Was, it, wasn't, it wasn't that. Actually, uh, I was I was going to pick up a new uh, a copy of the new Ashes game that they had there, but I went on like Saturday and they'd sold out. But when I walked by on Friday, they had like plenty of copies. So I was like, oh, I'm I'm probably pretty good. No, <laughs> waited too long on that one. Or actually, it wasn't Sunday that they were sold out. But yeah, yeah. A- Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. I know. I mean, it looked pretty good to me. At least for fun. Oh, that's right. Because that's also a LCG, ECG, whatever, too, right? Well, I, I think it's going to be like uh, Versus, because I found this out about Versus, too. Versus is not going to be the monthly model that a lot of the LCGs are now. It's going to be a quarterly model. And they're actually going to do... Like, the first year is going to be Marvel, but then they have other, they don't have the DC license, but they have a whole bunch of other movie licenses, like The Crow and Predator and Aliens. And the rumor I heard was that Predator versus Aliens was going to be year two. And the, like I said, they'll just do uh, year uh, quarterly releases rather than monthly releases, which I think is probably a smart way to go about it. Because hmm. you could probably also put all of those out as, like, standalone sets, like they've done with Legendary. Yeah. I... I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Not the, I mean, the the quarterly versus monthly thing. That's it. But if if the implication is that when you start in with Alien versus Predator, you're gonna stop doing Marvel. So if you have a card game that's all about Marvel superheroes that sell that ends up selling well, you're going to just stop printing the Marvel superhero stuff that people want to buy. People are gonna want to buy Aliens versus Predator. There's a reason why their uh, deck building games do so well. But I do think that people, I mean, you know, part of the fun of Versus was that you could actually take these other brands and fight them. And really, these are all, you know, it's all modern mythology stuff. So to me, it all really fits. And I'm not saying that they, because I don't know, I'm not saying that they just never do a Marvel set ever again. But I think what they would look at is it would mostly be of that theme. I think it's a a really good idea. People are going to get board of marvel eventually i think or you know would another marvel set versus hey here's something cool and different you can play with your sets already i think there's a certain point where the new thing uh becomes more desirable for almost everybody hmm i could be wrong don't know okay so i I know you guys mentioned that you had bought the pack of games so i know that's at least one of the thing I bought Pack of Games. Actually, I kickstarted it. I didn't technically get it at Gen Con, but it was over there, so I got to go, I guess, see it in the wild. Ah. Uh, but I had I had them with me, and I had gotten it very shortly before Gen Con. There are these eight mini-games, and they are literally the exact same size as, like, a pack of gum. And when I say a pack of gum, like, a five-stick pack of gum. That's one fact why they're called Pack of Game. They come in a variety of difficulties slash complexities, I guess you would say. So there's a few that are pretty simple. There's a few that are like middle and a few that are more strategic, I guess. I played all of them with Jay and I think we ended up liking basically all of them. I think 
the design on a couple of the games, I mean, the, the design on the games are really, really good. These are obviously in that style of micro game that's been popular ever since Love Letter came out. But I think these are probably my favorite designs outside of maybe Valley of the Kings. And even Valley of the Kings isn't really that same size. But of these smaller games, because there's like six bucks a piece, there's some of my favorite, especially a couple of games are some of my favorite designs since then. I mean, I think the, the biggest complaint we had about any of them was there were a couple that we did not feel, even though it could be played at two, were really that good at two players. Yeah, I think there are a couple games that were two only, but most of them were two to four, and it seemed like three or four would probably be a better balance overall. But but I mean, it was still playable. It just seemed like it would probably be better. And they're all pretty quick. None of them are over 20 minutes. Of note, probably, I'm assuming most of the people who listen to this podcast tend to like heavier strategy type games. So there's Gem, which is an auction game where you actually put out four uh, gems, and it's a single round of bidding. And you have a certain amount of money that you can spend to buy the gems, and, and, you know, that's whatever you bid. But then the gems come in uninvested, they have the red side up, and you have to pay a certain amount of money at the end of your turn to reinvest in them. So they have to be invested to be counted towards any points, and then... For each each person who has the most of a certain color of gem, there's like six different colors of gems. That's a certain number of points. If you're tied for gems, uh, that's a certain number of points. Or sorry, if you're highest, and then I think second highest. Anyways, and that's how you score at the end of the game. And you can actually use the invested gem to pay for other things. So there's a really interesting, okay, when do I get this gem? When do I get that gem? I thought that one probably played the best at two players. And it's probably my... Probably my favorite out of the bunch. I don't know, Jay, which one, which one did you like the best? It's hard to pick favorites, but I actually really like the bus one, because it's a graph-solving pathing problem. Yeah, that one's pretty fun Yeah, as well. They have them on sale, so you get a, a carrying case in all eight of the games for like 50 bucks, so it's pretty pretty reasonable. These are, these are all at least decent games, so... And, and they're a very wide variety. None of them really played like any of the others. My other big thing at Gen Con was buying a whole bunch of old card games. So I bought uh, one of the resellers. You know, they frequently will have, like, old games. But one of the resellers had an excellent selection of um, older games. So I bought a bunch of Warlord. I uh, bought a bunch of Seventh Sea for pretty reasonable prices. A couple other things that I can't remember. And this is the first time I've actually gotten it. I, like actually get seventh C cards. So, oh, and some uh, Legend of the Burning Sands. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty fun for me. I've been kind of on this kick of trying to build two or three playable decks for old card games, just so I can have them around, so I can, you know, show people old games. So speaking of old games, although alive old games, uh, it is the twentieth anniversary of L five R. Somebody must have gone to something L5R this weekend, right? Yeah, I did several L5R things. On Saturday, for my own amusement, I went and did the LARP, which, while it was quite a bit of fun, also turned out to be a a mistake, simply because I had not realized going in that it was the final culmination of five years of the living campaign. 
So I was more than a little lost at what was going on, but it was nonetheless quite a bit of fun. And then went from that over to the 20th anniversary party, which was quite the party. Sorry, you you missed that, Chris. I hate you. I accept that. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. So one of the things they had at the party, it was in the the big glass dome in the middle of the, the street there, and they had hanging, I believe it was banners from the first Day of Thunder tournament back in 97, 98, where it's all of the 12 or so legal factions each had a banner, and they raffled them off. Well, they raffled off half of them, the other half are going to Europe to be given away there. Yeah, that's what the the Arts Garden or something like yes. that. That sounds right. I have to say, I my my L five R spirit could have used uh, a little bit of a charge from the from Gen Con in general and the twentieth anniversary thing in particular. I uh, out of all the stuff at Gen Con, the twentieth anniversary party is the thing that I really, really missed. I mean, I for all the awesomeness that is Gen Con, right, the games themselves, it's nice to get them early, but they will be out eventually for most stuff. I mean, every once in a while there's the, you know, there's limited edition things or stuff, but there's really no substitute for the, the, the social element and community element that you get from something like L5R generally where you know, you you see the same people over and over again, but especially the the big 20th anniversary thing. And on a similar front, yeah, I've, I I had that issue when I did the the Heroes of Rokugan LARP as well. It's it's really cool what they do, but you're playing with a bunch of people who all know each other yes. and who all have their pre-existing interactions with their characters. And as somebody just kind of parachuting in it's very hard to to get into that it, it, those would work better for one shot people which is not actually really i'm not saying the kind of people they actually need to cater to but for one shot people it would be better if it was a sort of your this is your character for this or we're assigning you characters and here's your particular objective but you know that's just not how it works yeah, and as I said, it was a lot of fun, and it was obvious. I had a lot of fun, but I felt like I would have gotten a lot more out of it if that wasn't my first thing. Yeah, it honestly has me tempted to next year, because to my understanding, they're starting the cycle over again. Again, this was the, the last year of the cycle, to try to get in nearer the ground, maybe. Yeah, but you just want to to keep in mind for Heroes of Roku again, it's not just at Gen Con or something like that. You wanna you know, these people are are hitting up cons and, and other things on, on a regular basis. I can you I think you can bring the same characters into the LARPs that you play that you are playing in the tabletop sessions, I think. Yeah. So in fact there was um that morning's tabletop big something or other had ramifications and characters out of it playing in the LARP. Yeah, they'll often have they'll have a battle interactive yep. and then the court interactive. Exactly, yes. So I went for the court interactive and yeah. 
had fun. One of the things that premiered at this was the Siege Clan War. I know you did an, an interview with uh, the L5R lead designer, Brian Reese, about that that's on our website. Did you get to play that? Did you get to be Fu Lang or get to take down Fu Lang? Yeah, I, I got to play against Fu Lang. So I did the interview with Brian on Thursday when it was still like the first couple of games of it were going on behind us as we were chatting. And then I got to play against it on Sunday. And that was a tense game. They've really figured out from... Because you did the, the last year's one with the Dark Naga... And there were certain Achilles heels that the deck had that got sussed out by the end, such that everyone was running three copies of uh, Encircled Terrain, and so it became... There were started to be some oddness, whereas they really did a good job of hammering those out of the Clan Wars one, such that even on Sunday, there was still very neck-and-neck. Neck. It's been long enough now, I don't remember ex the exact numbers, but basically, we won defeating Fu Lang by less than eight force. It was somewhere in the four to six range was how much force advantage we finally ended up having over Fu Lang. Take him down. Yep. That was a very intense back-and-forth battle throughout the game, and definitely a lot of fun. I would certainly recommend it to anybody who likes L5R, and can go to Gen Con. <laughs> and can go to Gen Con? Yeah, well... Well, it's, it's out now, although it already sold out on cool stuff, so you'd have to go somewhere else for the moment to buy that. But so it is It is in full release now. Like, it, it, okay. had, it was at Gen Con, and then it had a, a release a few weeks early for L5R Stronghold stores, and uh, but it is now fully out. So you don't have to be at Gen Con to play it. Anything else exciting, interesting? Nobody broke into anyone's car and stole all their stuff, right? No, I had no car to break into this year. <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth here, Chris. Um, uh, you can talk to my lawyer. I'm not saying anything, but I may have a large carton of Armada Wave 2 if anybody wants to buy it. I'm just saying. Uh, so the one thing we haven't talked about that I did that was a lot of fun... So, it wasn't really at Gen Con, it was going on during Gen Con. The Cards Against Humanity people had their concert against humanity. I wanted to go to that so bad. Oh, it was it was great. It was a couple blocks away. They brought in a whole bunch of different musical guests and authors and other people to put on just an amazing show, and it was a whole lot of fun. Right, well, they, they had uh, the Double Clicks, they yep. had Patrick Rothfuss, they mm -hmm. had Cameron Esposito, who's hysterical, she's one of my favorite comedians. They had Kamal Nanjani, who's, uh, I think I've actually messed up his name, but he's got the uh, the Indoor Kids podcast on Nerdist, and he's on uh, Silicon Valley yeah. Yeah, on HBO. He's hysterical as well. He, he had an amazing set, laughing, laughing front to back. And so they they had a a sign language interpreter going, and he just started riffing with her, and it was it was amazing concert to go to. It was it was possibly my my favorite part of Gen Con this year was that concert. 
So sorry, Chris, you didn't get to go. I did not get to go. I think we've established that. Well, I mean, how many more siblings do you have to get married? So, you know. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, At the moment, I don't have any, but this one was technically a second wedding, so I mean, we could always cycle back around. That's <laughs> uh, a spirit. So, uh, you know, but, but yes, I... Now I and all of my siblings are now married. Three of us have kids. One of us has a kid on the way. And then the, so there's, there's one that remains, one set that remains childless. We're, what's the word I'm thinking for here? Old. Old. We're old. <laughs> uh, and you guys are all single, but why my other most common group it, you, we're all like married dudes with kids. It's like, yeah. Oh, we're so sad. Uh, <laughs> hey, everything has its benefits and its costs, right? This does have its benefits and its costs. I don't know if everything has both benefits and costs. Yeah. But, you know. Few things are without costs. Some things are without benefits. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Point taken. Yeah. All I can ask again is anything left from Gen Con you want to to report out? Awesome, awesome things. I guess lame things. Did any companies like hit you in the head as you were walking by? So we have a good reason to to badmouth them and cause some like have a beef. Twitter beef, I hear, is a very popular form of uh, dietary supplement these days. Twitter beef, something, right? Yeah. No, everybody was super cool as they basically always are at Gen Con. So yeah. I was, I'm very, you know, I'm pretty happy every time I go, so that's why I keep going. That, and so I can buy stuff that I could buy in, like, a couple months, but I pay an exorbitant amount of money to stay in a hotel so I can do it. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> yes, well, I will tell you what, where I was, everybody was an absolute nice person, too, so. We need controversy! Let's see, what was the most distinctive thing about where I was staying... Man, there are a lot of Tim Hortons. Canada, you guys yeah. apparently really like Tim Hortons. That that was my main takeaway from, from Canada, I have to say. Wow. You need your, you need your coffee, eh? <laughs> but uh, I, I had a nice trip. I won't bore, bore everyone details about my trip. Okay, so that was a bit of Gen Con 2015. At some point in the hopefully not as distant future as this episode was, Jay and I will be back to talk more specifically about L5R, the story implications of, of things that happened before Gen Con and the events at Gen Con, but we'll save that for the future. Until then, you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can visit us on the web www.strangeassembly.com If you like the show, you can also subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. If you use one of those services, we always appreciate it if you leave a rating or review. It helps other people discover the podcast. You can find us at the usual social media. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and strangeassembly on Twitter. I always like to hear from you, so you can email me directly. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl and Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. <laughs>